Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Laura Vosica, author of the Bluebells Chronicles. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you, Jeff, for having me. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your five book Bluebells Chronicles, how would you describe the series? Well, it's I call it a tale of time travel, action adventure, romance, and redemption that ranges across modern and medieval Scotland. And so what it is, it's the story of a professional orchestral musician. He plays trombone and he's pretty obnoxious. And I think most trombonists kind of laugh and say, um, hey, that's redundant. Um, <laughs> trombonists are kind of known for getting into trouble. So anyway, he, um, he ends up caught in medieval Scotland, and in fact, two men switch places in time. So somebody who looks just like him ends up in our time, and he ends up in medieval Scotland, which kind of changes through the series. But he ends up for two years in the time of Robert the Bruce, starting just before Scotland's greatest victory, the Battle of Bannockburn. And it takes you through the things that happen to him there and how he changes and how he faces who he's been. And, you know, I realized when I described it like that, it sounds almost like a very serious book. And I happen to think it's a lot of fun. You know, he's been described as the kind of guy you love to hate because he's so obnoxious. And yet he's funny. You know, he's um, he's always cheerful. He's always throwing parties. But then he's doing awful things like cheating on his girlfriend, too. So, you know, he's kind of a mixed bag. <laughs> Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write the series? Well, there were three things. And so the first thing is, I mean, they, they all kind of, they don't go in any order, but they all just kind of came together at some point. And so the first thing is that I had a favorite childhood book called In the Keep of Time. And it's a book by Margaret Anderson. It was, it came out, I think, in the early 70s. So um, amazingly, she is, I met her last year or a couple years ago. She is in wonderful shape, grows like a five-acre garden, all this fantastic stuff. And um, so this story was about four siblings who go into Smellholm Keep, which is an actual tower in Scotland. And they come down in the wrong century, and I believe they end up in the 1500s, whereas uh, the, the two men in my book are switching between the modern and the 1300s, 1314 to be exact. And so that was sort of the base idea of, of this idea of going into a tower and coming out in a different century. And then I also, I am a trombone player. I majored in music on trombone, and I played semi-professionally for quite a few years after college and so there's a piece that is well known i think still to date are the better trombones you know they like to work on it see if they can master it because it's quite a challenge and that piece is bluebells of scotland and it is a theme and variation on an old folk song and so in this folk song some of the lyrics are streaming banners and noble deeds and that really captured my attention or my imagination i should say and I wanted to read a book like that. So, of course, if I like to write, I'm going to write a book like that. And so I started researching battles in Scotland. Um, I think I mentioned the main character is a trombone player. And so, you know, this is his signature piece in the book that the audience loves to hear him play. 
And so when I researched, I came across this greatest victory, which was the Battle of Bannockburn in 1314. And um, that's an amazing story, how Robert the Bruce pulled that off against an army five times his size. And then the third piece was really just this image that flashed into my mind of this man sitting at a poker table. And he actually is obnoxious and arrogant enough that he gambles his trombone when he's losing because he's known for his great luck. And he figures, you know, don't problem all, I'll get it back. And he doesn't, he loses it. And so in this image, I kind of saw him then going to his girlfriend and actually conning her out of her grandmother's ring to pawn the ring and get the trombone back. Well, what was your fiction writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? Well, it started probably, I think I could say all the way back when I was 10. And at that time, I started my first novel, and it was going to be this wonderful story about this uh, little boy. I think his name was Timmy. I think I even remember that. And it's kidnapped. And he is such a difficult, obnoxious child, such a handful that the kidnappers actually try to give him back. And his parents won't take him back unless they pay. And so I think I was maybe about 10 handwritten pages into this story when I happened to look at the books on my mother's bookshelf. And I saw a book called The Ransom of Red Chief by O. Henry. And I pulled it out, read the back and said, oh, no, I got ready about my story. So, um, you know, I didn't realize at the time that there were only so many plots and you can write the same plot. It doesn't matter. So I gave up on that book. And then in my early 20s, so probably from the time I was maybe 20 to 22, I completed my first novel. And that was about a college student who's um, facing a very traumatic situation and how she handles that and how everybody around her handles it. And I did send that off to a few publishers. So I was maybe 23 at the time I was sending it off. And I, you know, I, I think I took defeat too quickly and I didn't pursue that and keep sending. So I only sent it out to three or four, maybe. And then sometime later, I sat writing aside for a while while my kids were young and um, I have nine kids. So, you know, kids were young is a, a pretty long stretch of time. But when the youngest ones were young, I did take writing up again. And so around, I don't know, maybe 2004 to 2000 six or so I was writing the first Bluebells book, which is Bluebells of Scotland, the first of the five book series. And one day as I was coming out of teaching music lessons at the community center where where I taught, I saw a sign for a writer's critique group called Night Writers. And they happened to start their meeting just down the hall at the exact time I finished teaching. So I walked down the hall and I joined them. And kind of, I I guess the question was about the publishing. We got a new member sometime after I joined, and he was very enthusiastic about the growing new technology at the time of print-on-demand about, you know, create space and KDP and all that. And he really talked up this idea that traditional publishers aren't doing a whole lot of marketing for most of the books they publish, that they expect the author to do an awful lot of the marketing, and yet they're still going to take a good chunk of the royalties. And so 
got us all excited about why not use this technology. You're going to do the marketing work anyway, so you may as well get more of the royalties. And so he and I actually formed Gabriel's Horn together, which is, um, he's no longer involved with that, but my husband and I still run that. And so we started as a publishing co-op to publish all the books by Night Writers, and we've grown from there. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. That's great. Well, what is your writing process when you're working on a novel? Do you outline the novel extensively or do you just dive into the narrative? I, I mostly just dive in in writing. I, I suppose you have a lot of writers listening so they know the, uh, you know, Potter or pantser, and I'm definitely a pantser, fly by the seat of my pants. So I have a pretty good idea of where a story's going, but it's not detailed. You know, I sort of know the start and I know where it's going to end up. And then as I write, you know, especially by the time you're five books into a story, but even from the beginning, I felt like I just knew Sean so well. And I felt like I knew who Neil was. And so, you know, I start the story and it often feels, for me at least, that they're just acting and I'm just kind of recording what they're doing because I know who they are. And sometimes when I want to go one way, they say something that turns the story into a different direction or they do something, you know, and yet I wrote it because it felt natural. It felt like that's what they really would have said or done in that situation. And are you working on another novel now? Yes. Um, and kind of a yes or no. I've I've been in the process of moving from one house to an apartment to a second house. I got married and my husband and I are now actually 
in an RV the last couple of days before we can get into our final destination, our new house we just bought, which means that the writing has really been put on hold. Um, I've also been doing a lot of editing and co-writing jobs. So what that means is I'm actually working on two novels right now. One is called 220 BC, and it's actually a novel by Kendall Price, and it's a sequel to one that he wrote a few years ago called 221 BC, but I co-wrote that with him. So what he does is he plays Dungeons and Dragons with his kids and creates these stories, and he writes the first draft, and then I go through and, you know, layer in some things and fill out some scenes, and then he goes through and I go through, we go back and forth, and we end up with a novel. So I'm actively working on 220 BC right now. And then I'm also eager to get back once we get into our house in a couple of days to my novel called The Castle of Dremore. And that is the story of a relatively young widow. She's maybe, maybe in her mid-30s. And we know at the beginning of the book that there has been some kind of big trauma or crisis in Boston. She has five boys. She wanted to escape the United States altogether, and she had this dream that kept her going. Um, you know, she was in such despair that she was actually thinking about suicide, and what kept her going was this dream of moving her boys into a castle, of actually owning a castle in Scotland. And so she has put absolutely everything she has, sold everything, taken the um, insurance money from her husband's death, and she has managed to buy herself a small castle in Scotland. And so her very first day there, she opens these big wooden doors with this, you know, big old-fashioned key. And she looks into this garden in the courtyard of the castle, and she sees this ghostly woman in green looking back at her. And so it's a story of how she deals with this, you know, how she's trying to hide this ghost from her boys and hoping they don't find out. And it turns out they actually knew about it from the start too, and they're trying to hide it from her. So I had some fun with it. And um, then it's also telling the story of what happened to this young woman back in the 1300s. And so I'm using my, all my historical research from the previous book. And so it's really telling these three stories at once. It's telling what's happening to Lisa and her boys in the modern day as she deals with what happened in Boston. It's going back, filling in the story of what did happen in Boston. And then it's telling the story of this young woman in the 1300s and why she is still in this castle and what she wants. That sounds great. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, you know, unfortunately, I do not get as much time to read as I like. And I know I've read a couple. Actually, I think one was nonfiction. But the novel I just read, oh, you know what? I do remember the other one. Um, what is it called? Flight of the Stork, I think. And that is the time travel novel for someone I will be interviewing next week uh, for a program I run. I actually run two. One is called Step Into a Story. And so that was a wonderful time travel story. And then I also read for the same program, a book called Pets for Legion. And that is, uh, it's what he calls Christian horror. His name is Sean Brink, the author. And horror is not a genre that I seek out. 
And yet, usually I end up enjoying books when I read them for whatever reason, like if I'm editing for someone or if I'm going to publish for someone, which I've, I've published a few horror novels. Um, so yeah, I ended up enjoying both of those quite a bit. And what writing advice would you offer for listeners who are working on their own stories and novels? Well, a couple of things. I think one is you need you need to do a lot of editing usually. You know, I read a lot of, I, I've read books where I think the author maybe did a couple passes through and probably needed to go through several more times. And so I think that, you know, we really need to be honest with ourselves and read our writing critically. You need to set it aside for a little bit and come back to it fresh because otherwise, you know, it's so clear in your mind that you miss. Uh, things that you should have caught. I think having beta readers is very important. And I think that the very best thing I ever did for my writing was to join my critique group, Night Writers, where every week we meet, we read a scene, and we get feedback from everybody. And, um, you know, one of our members did say, you can end up in a writing group that, you know, people just want to be critical to prove they're a better writer, whatever. And you might need to try a couple, but I stumbled into a really good one where everybody was so supportive. And yet, if there was a real flaw in the writing, they're going to tell you so. You know, that I, I think we all understood. You'd rather hear it from the group than in a review online, you know, and fix it before it gets out there. Sure. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels, The Bluebell Chronicles? No. Um, there are actually a couple places. One is lauravosika.com, and that's L-A-U-R-A, V as in Victor, O-S-I-K-A. And you can get to the same website uh, at bluebellschronicles.com. They both point to the same site, but two ways to get to it. And then I actually also do a podcast called Books and Brews with Laura Vosika and Michael Agnew. And you can find us either on YouTube by putting that in the search engine, or you can go to booksandbros.net and you will find us and what we do there. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Laura Vosica, author of the Bluebells Chronicles. The novels are on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Laura, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me. Great. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.